Revolting is produced by the Cycling Independent, the only cycling media completely free of commercial influence. We are community-supported and dedicated to the whole of cycling. As our tagline says, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. This is Revolting with Steve and Robot on the Cycling Independent, episode 110. I got my ass caught in my dicky. Hey, uh, podcast warning. This podcast is rated R for adult language, adult situations, vulgar humor, gratuitous nudity, wanton violence, and men talking about their emotions. If any of that is going to bother you, maybe take your popcorn to another theater. Thank you for your time and consideration on this matter. I am Steve. Well, that is Robot. This is the Revolting Podcast. Our 110th episode. What? How is that <laughs> even possible? Well, we did a, we recorded 109 yesterday, so it stands to reason that today would be 110. Yeah, but nobody but knows between... that. Nobody knows that. This is kind of, it all comes out staggered. So people be like, oh, I'll be like, hey man, what's what's been going on? You, you know, how's your how's your week been? We could totally perpetrate, but you just blew the lid right off that charade well that's okay because i feel like some real shits happened in the last 24 hours Mm. Mm. because let's 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 just true this up yesterday's podcast you were like you had all kinds of things today today you look like you have been through the car wash (laughs) and then and then uh i don't know i have been through the car wash actually uh, in real life, I have been through the car wash. I, I worked, uh, I, I, well, I was at the, mm, uh, I've been real tired, like real tired, like so tired. I think that I, I'm just, I'm like sleepwalking through life. I went to the grocery store and ran errands, got, put gas in my truck and did all the stuff that I've been putting off for a, a week and a half or so. And later on in the day, I realized that it occurred to me that I didn't remember doing any of those things. Like, like it's ridiculously, I'm exhausted beyond reason. Um, but I kind of laid around and I had kind of a slow day yesterday after we recorded. Then I went to my studio to work for a spell. I've got an illustration project for a local brewery that I've been dragging my feet on. So I wanted to get cracking on that. But at some point, the uh, one of this other fellow who works the door at the bar where I work said, "Hey, I still need tonight's shift covered. Can anybody do it?" And I sat there, and I was one third of the way through a Bloody Mary because I was kind of thinking a Bloody Mary might be a nice early evening cocktail. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, yeah, what the hell? I mean, what am I doing tonight anyway? And as soon as I said yes, like within four minutes, my eyes watered up and that, and I got super red and itchy and I got so tired. I couldn't, I was fucking dumb. It's just dead, dead. Are you allergic to celery? No, it wasn't the, it wasn't the drink. It was just the acknowledgement that I was going to have another incredibly late night and probably sleep three hours. Uh, like I'm keeping like a tweaker schedule, but I've got no stimulants to keep me going. Right. 
I'm just like fueled. Or any of that sweet meth income. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I just, I'm fueled on like cortisol and, and habit. So thankfully it wasn't a super late night, but on my way home, my bike is real muddy and I no longer have an easily accessible washing station. So I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to go through the car wash and give myself, give my bike a good foam scrubbins and a light spray. And I did that. And then at one point my bike is covered in this yellow foam. I thought it was funny looking. So I took a picture of it and this guy in a pickup truck pulls up and you know, he's got a fitted baseball cap on backwards, kind of a round face. And he's like, Hey, that's a nice bike. And I said, thanks. I mean, you can't see it cause it's under like, you know, five pounds of soapy suds, but thank you. And he goes, you know where there's a, uh, 24 hour, uh, pawn shop and i was like what he repeated himself i'm like no <laughs> get the fuck out of here like what are you doing what are you doing and that is this like was that like a veiled like if you do know i'm gonna take your bike and sell it there what was that hmm. i mean what what's your what's your reaction um I mean, none of my reactions are good. To to this That's just, scenario in particular, you mean? I don't know the person, the individual person who did this, who who you interacted with, but I will say that the type of person you you just described is not a person generally who I like to interact with. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a part of town where there's not a whole lot going on. <clears throat> there was a... Uh... I don't know. There's a grocery store like on the other side of the road, but it's it was pretty. It was pretty quiet. There was one car, one other vehicle in this in this whole car wash situation complex, whatever. And it's this dude in his truck, and he happened to ask me if he, if I knew where there was a 24 hour pawn shop, and that just seemed like I don't know. That seemed oddly specific, especially after he complimented it's- me on my bike. Yeah, it seems like he was trying to be funny and your um I feel actually that you had the correct response which was confusion. Nothing tells a a, a humorist that they're not being humorous quite like confusion as a response to their joke. Yeah. It was I don't know, it was it was like really kind of unsettling. Like once he once he left, I was like, hmm. Hmm, yeah. Okay. Uh whatever whatever that situation was, I'm whether it was a joke or whether it wasn't a joke, like I'm not out of this dude's field, uh rotational field, you know, then so I quickly kind of cleaned my stuff up and got back into the dark. But weird. <laughs> uh so it was a car wash that I was in. That's funny because I was not really thinking about a literal car wash, but you literally went through the car wash. <laughs> yeah. Now, I could be wrong, but in our pre-show chit-chat, you also implied that you had a near-death experience last night. Did I? What, what did I say? There was some food involved? Oh, uh, I choked on a french fry. <laughs> 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 yeah, but um, it was like a bad choke, and you know how 
You this, literally told me this story like <laughs> it was it was gnarly. I um I thought, you know, I was like panicking a little bit. Like you suck in a the, the you suck in a little piece of food and it goes down the wrong pipe and it, it gets if it gets really lodged in there, if it's a big piece, um that's how you die. <laughs> right? Right. And so, right. <laughs> so I had I had a pretty sizable piece of french fry in my esophagus no in my trachea is that the trachea goes to the lungs right the esophagus goes to the stomach i think that's right don't make me break medicine so so it was in my trachea and i was i it it was it was wedged in there (laughs) deeply enough that i couldn't um i couldn't inhale in order to to get the thing out to cough the thing out. And, um, I was the only time in my life I've ever, that I remember I choked on a peppermint candy when I was small and then I barfed it onto the pharmacist floor. I do remember that. (laughs) Uh, but it was the only time. And besides that, in my memory that I thought I was going to have to ask for help. Um, so just really methodically, really carefully, I breathed in deeply one time and I was able to get it out. But instead of it coming out of my mouth, it just then shot into my sinuses, <laughs> which reminds me of another story. <laughs> when I was a, a freshman in college, my, oh no, no, a sophomore in college, my sister was a fresh, God damn it. When I was a freshman, <sighs> When I was a sophomore in high school, my sister was a freshman in college, and she came back for a holiday party at her friend's house, and uh, her friend's parents put out finger sandwiches, and there was booze. It was like the party house. Like, we always, everybody always raged there. We all, like, occupied downstairs, and mom and dad went into their bedroom upstairs, and nobody ever crossed paths with one another. They just pretended nothing was untoward. Oh man, we were do we got we did so much shenanigans down there. But um so I ate a bunch of finger sandwiches and boot way boozed way beyond reason. Uh barfed as one does, uh continued partying. Because what is that called? Boot and rally now? That's what the kids call it. Oof. Okay. And uh f- I would say three or four days later, I blew my nose and a big piece of ham and some bread came out. (laughs) (laughs) You you blew a finger sandwich out your nose? I I smuggled a finger sandwich in my sinuses for at least 72 hours. Oh, my God. The kids, I, I, um, uh, uh. When I was in college, I I dated a girl uh, who referred to throwing up as booting. Mm -hmm. And I was always like, that sounds so cute. Oh, I booted. (laughs) And I was like, there is nothing cute about what what transpires when that transpires. It's it's horrifying. It's incredibly traumatic. I mean, it's not so bad. Like, you know it's coming. And now I'm at the point where I just kind of like, I just lay back and let it happen. You know, like, fuck, it's gonna, I can't, I, mean, I don't fight it because your body, your body's going to do what your body needs to do. All right. And when you're a little baby, you barf and you're just like sitting there and you just, you know, you barf and you get on with your baby agenda. And at some point it's the worst thing you've ever experienced. It's very traumatic and you feel bad and you're fighting it and you're fighting it. And 
And then you put your, maybe you put your fingers up to your face to try to keep it in, and then it shoots out between all your fingers, and it gets all oh. over the, the bus window, and it's like a fucking thing, and it's rolling up and down the aisles, and the janitor puts that sweet-smelling sawdust on it, and everybody remembers that you were the one that threw up in Mrs. Polly's first grade class. That didn't happen to me. Those were, uh, it was a, I conflated two different stories there. Uh, one was Jason and one was Mark, but I fucking hated it. And they were crying. <laughs> they were crying and barfing. It's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's traumatic for everyone. But now, you know, when you get like into your 40s or 50s, you're like, well, fuck, I made another bad decision. Here it comes. Oh, and this was also, uh, I, raced when i raced bikes i raced with this crew of people from sacramento and one of the dudes uh they called him the general uh because i guess he was like a private private farty pants until one night he ate a whole thing of ice cream and then he became the general so <laughs> they because he had a little bit of a lactose intolerance i think sure so the general was a real character and uh we were at i think we <laughs> We were at Robert Ives' uh, bachelor party, and this has got to be 24 years ago or something. And the general was in this rock and roll pose, like one foot, you know, like it was like one foot was on the monitor and the other mm -hmm. leg was stretched out. And he was like running his fingers through his hair like he was just about to belt out like you know, run for the hills by Iron Maiden and he's pushing his hair and he leans back and he just fucking just exploded vomit like straight out in this fountain. And uh, watching that, I was like, oh, well, you got to make a, you know, you got to make a spectacle of it. Like, be like the general. Don't be afraid of barfing. Fucking make it a thing. I don't, I don't all the way know how this episode, which is going to be about fashion, <laughs> has turned into just a fucking chapter book about vomit. We did say we didn't know what we were going to talk about today, and I, I just said, oh, I, let's talk about fashion and like go where, go where it takes us. But instead, <laughs> we're just going to do vomit. And the thing is, I have a couple of vomit stories, but I can't tell them now. Why? I can't tell them now because it's too much. <laughs> too much <laughs> I, well let's we'll say we'll save for later i mean there's always like everybody's got vomit stories vomit stories are amazing yeah we'll save it for later um and people can look forward to it <laughs> um we can if we want to just pivot real quickly we don't really have any shout out i probably got a shout out or two I have two shout outs. Oh, fire them off. Well, <clears throat> the first one is a shout out to the band The Upper Crust uh, for providing the title for today's episode. The title for today's episode is I Got My Ass Caught in My Dicky. And if you don't know The Upper Crust, they, they're a Boston band. Um, they dressed like French dandies. Uh, so like they would powder their faces white. And they wore wigs and like um, French um, sort of like pre-revolutionary finery. And they played music that sounded like ACDC. And it was all stuff about, they called themselves the Upper Crust. Uh, and they had songs like Little Rickshaw Boy 
Um, <laughs> I got my ascot and my dicky. Let them eat rock. Uh, if you haven't heard the upper crust and you like ACDC and have a sense of humor, you're welcome. The upper crust, there's at least one record. There may be more. I only have one, but it is deeply pleasing. Uh, and we were going to, yeah. Oh, it was so good. And, uh, the, the lead, the, the front man was this guy, Nat Friedberg, who was also in the bands, the Titanics and the Satanics. Uh, which followed the Titanics. They were a really big, like, um, bill-topping Boston rock band in the late 80s, early 90s. Hmm. All that music okay. is good. All that music is good. Um, for some symmetry, I also want to shout out New Jersey's next big band, which is Human Blister. Um, they are going to absolutely rule the world once they graduate from high school, but I see big things, uh, coming for them. My, my buddy John's kid is in that band and they are right now they're stoppable, but I think they will become unstoppable. I love that. I love that. Um, and there's a, like, I see a lot of kids. I was thinking about this yesterday. I drew, uh, somebody, I drew a picture of a little girl in a poodle skirt. And there was a point in the 80s, I think, in the early 80s, where kind of 50s fashion sort of came back in, you know, and I was mm. I was thinking about the, like the cycle of fashion, the cycle of music, uh, the cycle of popular culture, cycles of popular culture. And uh, there's a whole gang of kids right now who are rediscovering the, uh, the distortion pedal. And I'm yes. fucking here for it. I'm into it. It just makes me... It makes me so happy that there's this new crop of kids who are like, oh, you know, there's a thing. You can write a pop song. You can write a, a song with hooks, but make it loud and disjointed. And it's fucking good. So that's exciting. Uh, you're coming in and out. Are you there? Yeah, now? yeah. Good. I'm here. They, they definitely have discovered uh some of the old stuff uh, mm -hmm. but then there's a whole bunch of new stuff like what john tells me is like oh they you know his kid listens to these bands that we like but then he brings to the party these bands that make john go what the fuck is this <laughs> <laughs> which is what i think kids should do mm -hmm. yeah you don't so, want to you don't want to be a carbon copy of something that's already happen it's we're all i mean everything the creative endeavors are just an amalgamation of, of 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 all of the things that you're surrounded by um you just want to make it your own uh and it sounds like human blister is well on their way to doing that um so not neither of those are your music pick of the week they're not let's talk about yours um, so my music pick of the week is a 2006 record. What's that? Oh, so, oh you just, uh, I saw, I thought you'd stop talking. I, this connection is not very good today. Oh no, that's going to make it extra fun. Um, no, my, my pick this week is the 2006 record from dead to me, Cuban ballerina. Uh, dead to me is dead to me. There's, they're a, I guess they're a pop punk band, but they have 
sort of more hardcore influence. So I don't really think of them. Well, this is another band where like the first record is fucking amazing. And the second record is okay. And then the third record is like, maybe not. Uh, but this, their first record dead, uh, Cuban ballerina, uh, has a ton of bangers on it. It's very catchy, very catchy. It's, it's kind of as much as I fuck with pop punk anymore. I would mm-hmm. say this record, um, but this one will really get you going. Um, bass player ch- is Chicken, who is a, I think he worked at Fat Records. They're on Fat um, Records, if I'm not mistaken. Isn't that correct? They are on Fat Records, and he worked there and with some other people. And there's another band called Western Addiction that has some overlapping members that I've recommended on this show before that that actually are a hardcore band that are so fucking good or at least their first record is again the second one is not that great but uh i really love this record the cuban ballerina upon initial listen i said oh what who is this reminds me a lot of uh swing and utters and then i did Mm. a little bit of hunting and they share personnel so uh that that makes sense um yeah san francisco band uh yeah to me they they are they're good i think my buddy gabe actually works with one of the fellows in the band as well so that might have been where they originally crossed my radar but which is kind of funny that you pick them because they are on the musical spectrum possibly as far away from your last pick which was sad sad boy music uh made by emma ruth rundle so you have uh i guess your mood has shifted from sad boy music to Well, what's happened? Let's go music. Yeah, what's happened is I made a long list of records because I can never remember when it's time to write the notes for the podcast. I can never. I'm like, oh, I need a music pick, and and the obvious one is what I've been listening to lately. But I tend to listen to the same thing over and over again for a week. So then that's just one pick. So I have to come up with more stuff. But I I went through. I binged uh, this um, Dead to Me record for like a week. I don't know, five or six weeks ago. Okay. When the sun was still shining and I uh, still had hope in my heart. Yeah. Oh man, I didn't catch any of that. Uh, I hope it recorded. Uh, I think you, you said some stuff. It just was like yips and oops. Yeah, I I said important things. I'm sorry you missed them. What's your music pick? Uh, My music pick, I just kind of transitioned straight out of Mud Honey, Superfuss, Big Muff to uh, a record by the band Green River, uh, the name of which I can't remember right now. Jesus Christ. Uh, I will talk about, oh, um, Dry as a Bone. It's Dry as a Bone Rehab Doll, uh, and it's, uh, members of, well, there was a band called Mother Love Bone in Seattle back in the early eighties, mid eighties. And there was a band called Mr. Epp. And I think this is how the, the chronology goes. Uh, no, no, that's not right at all. I fucked it up. Green River came first, didn't they? Green River came first. Yeah. Mark Arm, Steve Turner, Jeff Ament from Pearl Jam and Stone Gossard. They were in Green River. There were some other people. I learned uh, not so long ago that Chuck Treese 
a professional skateboarder and musician, was also did some time in Green River. Chuck Treese is like the rock and roll Illuminati. That guy's been in everything and every, every he's had a hand in seemingly every single piece of music that's been written in the last 35 years. Uh, I feel like Green River gets credit for being like the patient zero grunge band. Kind of. I mean, definitely one of them. Uh, and uh, there's a band from Sacramento called uh, called uh, Tales of Terror, who I never got the opportunity to see. And they have only one record out. Um, they lost, I think, uh, a founding member of the guitarist. They lost in a just random street fight. And he fell and hit his head on a curb and died. And they broke up. But the Tales of Terror record, the first and only Tales of Terror record, is fucking great. And I don't know if I've picked that as a music pick. I probably will at some point if I haven't already. But they, Green River actually does a cover of a song that they did, uh, that they wrote called Ozzy. Um, but it's it's so good. I was such a huge fan of them, when uh, of uh, Green River. And... All I knew is that a couple of the dudes left to go be rock stars and a couple of the dudes left to be in Mud Honey. And I was like, I don't give a <laughs> fuck about those other two dudes. You know, you're in Mud Honey camp or you're in Pearl Jam camp. Pearl Jam, mm. they were, that was Jeff and, uh, and Stone went on to be in Pearl Jam. And I didn't give them a, sh- I didn't give them a shake. I was like, fuck it. I don't, I'm not interested. I'm not going to listen to them. And then somewhere down the road, I listened to Pearl Jam and I was like, oh, well. I guess they're okay. But, uh, yeah, the uh, Rehab Doll Drives a Bone LP. It's got all kinds of... I mean, it's you can hear everything that came after. Like, they were cutting their teeth with that record. Steve Turner and Mark Arm were cutting their teeth on that record and, and continue, went on to you know continue do, doing amazing things. So I listened to that Mud Honey <laughs> record you recommended yesterday, and I was like, yeah... This is really good. Every single track on it is great. I haven't listened to it in so long that it hit me really fresh, and I was like, hmm, yeah. Yeah, man, it's just, it's it's wild. And you can you can go 10 years and not listen to it, and you listen to it again, and it's it's as fresh and exciting as it was the first time you ever heard it. It's such a unique quality, right. I think, for music. Um. Well, okay, we got that. Uh, we got that wrapped up. Let's t- let's get a word from our sponsor. And I, oh man, also we're probably gonna while we're doing the word from our sponsor, I'm gonna take a pee because I'm dying over here. Uh, so we'll get a word from them. <laughs> Good. <laughs> and we'll be right back. Hi, it's Robot. By this point in the podcast, you're all in. You're going the distance. Not all your life choices are the best, but that's okay. None of us is perfect. Here's where I lay it on the line. We're going to entertain you for an hour. We'll do it again next week. In a month, we're going to give you four hours of belly laughs and deep, deep thoughts. All we need from you is a $3 a month subscription to the Cycling Independent. Three bucks, a cup of coffee, a really cheap beer. You've you've got that money, and and we need it. If you've got more... There are $5 and $10 subscriptions, but we're not pushing. We're not pleading. That $3 would help plenty. And now, back to whatever inane nonsense we were talking about before. And we're back. 
And we are back. Uh, I was intense. Some of us, some of us peed. I always have to. Uh, I always wake up and I drink a big cup of lemon water in the morning, first thing on an empty stomach. Mm. And you know, today because I slept in, sort of ish. Um. I didn't really get a chance to pee, and it just went right through me. So that's a good... I guess that's a sign that I'm well hydrated. (laughs) I'm going to move my table. Sorry for the feedback. Okay. We're ready to go into a whole new episode. Um, You know, you never know it from looking at either of us, but we care what we wear. And since humans are supposed to wear clothes most of the time, today we're talking about fashion, which some denigrate as a vapid form of self-expression, but mostly by people who don't have any style. Too true. Uh, what is, what's our fashion philosophy? Does anybody give a shit? How do you decide what to wear? Where do you buy your clothes? Yeah, there it is. We're both kind of a fashion over function mindset, I think. Like... I mean, what we wear is is of a certain fashion, but it's it's com it's comfortable and it's like I like to always dress like I'm about to be in a plane crash. <laughs> That's my fashion philosophy. That's your guideline. Yeah, I don't wear you know like I don't wear shoes that I can't run in. If I yeah, gotta if yeah. I gotta make a make a break, get make a quick escape, get in a fight. Uh avoid getting hit by a car. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need long, flowy things. I don't need anything that restricts me. Yep. I I dress for action. Yeah. Uh, That reminds me of this time. So a million years ago, right after I graduated college, I I managed this restaurant for a a brief period of time. And the guy who who I worked for, the, the general manager of the restaurant, had this incredible Boston accent. And like, I don't know, a couple of years after I had quit there, I ran into him again in a parking lot. And I was like, oh, Steve, what are you up to? And he goes, oh, I work for uh, Crown Uniform Services. And I was like, oh, what do, you, what, what do you do for Crown Uniform Services? And he says, you know, we do, uh, we do uniforms. So chef's coats, lab coats, flame retardant garments. And I was like, duh. <laughs> so I said, like, right back at him flame retardant garments and he 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 didn't even get that i was like bagging on his accent he was like yeah what the fuck flame retardant garments that's what i said what are you fucking deaf uh flame retardant stuff's awesome by the way oh uh shout out to dixon flannels they actually make flame retardant shirts which is do they cool yeah oh uh, in case, you know, if you're a person who happens to occasionally almost catch on fire, that's not a bad thing to have in your wardrobe. Yeah, that's right. Uh, look good and repel flames. Yeah. That, you know, so fashion philosophy, uh, decide what to wear. It's, I think, comfort and function. And of all of my, I have a pair of Swerve <laughs> jeans uh, Swerve LA very generously sent me a pair of jeans um, a year and a half ago or something. And they're a little stretchy, 
and they're a uh, I remember there was a Chuck Norris was. I don't know if they were like Chuck Norris brand jeans or if it was some jeans that he was helping promote. But there was this diamond gusset in the crotch and the ad was him doing a big super high karate kick. And you could see the gusset and you could see, you know, they're like, yeah, they're pants built for kicking ass. And, uh, and I think, oh yeah, I think that, I think the swear jeans has a diamond gusset as well. They're really comfortable. But besides those, I got a pair of, the teenaged jeans that they sent me back a few years ago. I did some, I did a contribution in a fanzine that they made. Um, but otherwise it's just, it's Ben Davis, Ben Davis for life, man. Love Ben Davis. Mm. They're comfy. It's an American made company or American owned company. Probably not made in America any longer because nothing is. Uh, third generation. Ben Davis, no. Uh, ben Davis, the third's daughter, now runs the company. Hmm. Uh, still Bay Area. So, yeah. I mean, is her is her name also Ben? I'd like that. Ben Ben. Jamina. Betty Benjamina. Betty. Hmm. I don't know. I I bought a new pair of dress shoes because I'm going to a wedding next week. Right. Bought a new suit, bought a new pair of dress shoes, and I was like, I don't think I want the wedding to be the first time I wear those shoes. No, you don't. Um, so I put them on. Where did we go? We went somewhere, and I put them on just to like get some wear on them. And my wife said, oh, I don't... First of all, you look good. And second of all, I don't remember the last time I've seen you without sneakers on your feet mm -hmm. and that speaks to that whole like you know if you need to run well i mean you know it's and also it doesn't have anything to do with your like dressing dressing up like that doesn't have anything to do with your existence and yeah you absolutely should break the shoes in because dress shoes you're gonna fall the yeah. fuck down if you don't scuff up the soles a little bit and give yourself some yeah something to you know for friction because that's just like Dress shoe soles are, they're like ice skates. Yeah, these are, um, the, uh, this is a little bit of a departure for me. So I bought this new suit, which is black, of course. And I see you're also wearing a black suit. <laughs> and um, then I was like, oh, I got to get, I got to get dress shoes. Because the ones that I have really haven't been dress shoes for like a decade, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. At some point when you wear dress shoes enough, and I, they're just shoes, right? But it's, you wear them enough, they're just no longer up to the task. So I got this new suit. So so then I was like, I'm going to buy, oh, Jesus. I'm going to buy these things. Um, uh, I, 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 I bought this. Can oh. you, you can see this? It's uh, like, a, uh, for, the, for people who can't see this, it's like a dress blundstone. Yeah, it's a, what is it called? A Chelsea boot? Maybe I think that's right. It's something, but the wide elastic, I think is what makes it not yeah. a Chelsea. I think that the Chelsea, like a traditional Chelsea has a, a narrow strip of stretch maybe. Yeah. But the whole idea of a dress boot is, uh, this is not me, but it's a good looking, look... it's a good looking shoe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love, I love suits. When I was a bike messenger, I wanted to be, I wanted to wear suits. Uh, there was a guy named Tim, T 
Tim something, and I think he had a hand. He was somehow involved with Maximum Rock and Roll. Tim Johansson. This is a long time ago, so I forgive me. Also, I have no fucking idea what a Chelsea boot is, so everything I just said was <laughs> wrong. Um, but and the Tim, it might not be this guy Tim. Maybe Tim Johansson had nothing to do with this story, but I'm I'm overlapping my memories. But there was wait. A are guy, we talking about Tim Yohannan, who was the editor of Maximum Rock and Roll? Oh, I was thinking Chris Johansson and Tim Yohannan, uh, artist and Maximum Rock and Roll editor. I was fucking those two things up. I like it. So maybe it was him, or maybe it wasn't. But there was somebody who was friends with my friend Dave, and he always wore suits. And I think it was oh, this yeah. guy, but maybe it was some other guy. <laughs> so fucked. <laughs> And so I was like, oh, that's cool. I want to be a suit guy. Like, I don't, ha my suits don't have to be super nice, but I would like to be the guy that everybody's like, what? So, wait, Steve or who? Oh, you know, the guy who always wears suits. Oh, yeah, what's that dude's trip? I don't know. But he always looks pretty good. <laughs> what's that dude's trip? Um, my grandfather was a suit guy. My grandfather wore a suit every single day. See, things, this, we've like come so far away. Like men, it, there was a time where men didn't leave the house without wearing a suit. If you were down and out, you're down on your luck, you still wore a tie and maybe you have a sport coat, but it had holes in it, or you'd put on your fedora, whatever. Like now you go out and your sweatshirt is reflective and it says, fuck you a ton of times on it. Like men <laughs> don't dress well anymore. And it's whatever, that's... Uh, that notwithstanding, I wanted to be a suit guy and I went and bought a couple of suits and then I never wore them. Uh, and, but I was always kind of, it was always on my mind. And then one time some friends and I went out for a drink and I put my suit on and I just felt like a stupid little kid. Like I was just like swimming in my suit and that, like, I didn't get it. I would look at men wearing suits and I would think, man, that dude looks fucking sharp as how how come when I put my suit on, I look terrible? And then I thought, this is just how it is. Until one day I was sitting on the train and I was looking at this guy and he was clearly coming back from like his first job interview. And he was, he looked terrible in his suit. And then I saw another man who looked really good in his suit and his, and my ex said, sometimes men wear suits, sometimes the suits wear the man. And I was oh. like, oh. Oh, okay, I get it. And so I started saving my money and saving my money, and I went and I bought a custom tailored suit. And it looks so fucking good. And I didn't have the money for shoes. I There was these really nice Paul Sweeney shoes, and uh, my ex bought those for me. And I've worn my suit. Uh, I, I paid more for my suit than I paid for my last truck. Like it wow. was like thousands of dollars and it looks fucking amazing, but I'm probably going to be buried in it. I think that's maybe <laughs> the next time I'm going to wear it. <laughs> well, the, you know, you're talking about suit guys. I feel like, um, there's certain, there are certain, um, fashion affectations that you either have or you don't like, like the bow tie guy, right? My friend Brendan is a bow tie guy. He wears the bow tie. And you know what? You look at him and you're like, yeah, of course you're a fucking bow tie guy. Mm -hmm. But like, there's a whole, for every bow tie guy out there, there's a dozen guys who are like, 
hey, maybe I'm the bow tie guy. <laughs> yeah. And they put the bow tie on and they're like, oh, I'm not. If you're asking, you're probably not a bow tie guy. Right. And see, that's what I think would happen to you in suits. I think you fall down too much to be the suit guy. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, it doesn't lend to my my lifestyle. I mean, I can right. wear it, and I'll wear it periodically. I love, there's a story about, John, you know, when John michel Basquiat became a successful painter, uh, he would buy, like, Armani suits and hang out in the studio wearing Armani suits. Like, that's so fucking cool. You just spent <laughs> $10,000 on a suit that you're going to paint in, you know? Right. Like, there's just something about that that it's, there's, it's very romantic to me. I, I don't know. I wish I could. I wish I could be that guy. And then on the other side of the coin, I bought a pair of fucking bondage pants three years ago because I always wanted a pair of bondage pants and I've worn them once. I'm not a bondage pant guy. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I feel like um, there was a when I was in college, there was a kid that lived in my dorm who would wear motocross boots every day. He was super <laughs> into he was super into metal. Right. And he was the flavor of metal head who thought motocross boots every day was the right move uh -huh. and it was his thing and he did it for so long that i was just like well that's who that dude is yeah uh no one else is motocross boots guy no very few it takes I've... it takes a special person to be motocross boots guy. dude i want i want that thing you know there's just there's it's a panache i don't have it i won't have it but I would love to have it. I went to college with a guy from Iceland named Thor because of fucking course he's from Iceland. His name is Thor. He's got this sweet cherubic baby face, but like big spiky, um, like Nick Cave uh, era, the birthday party hair. And he yeah. wore all black and he wore these uh, black crawl uh, motorcycle, leather motorcycle pants. Yeah. And he was a film student, of course. I mean, it was just his whole shtick. And he was so fucking cool. But, like, you look at him and you're like, you were born wearing that. Yeah. You know, like, I, wanna, I want something that sets me apart like that. I think that would be great. But I don't. I won't. I'm not. That's just not my thing. You and I have just discovered that we're black t-shirts and Vans guys, and we're a dime a dozen, but that's who we are, unfortunately. I, I just recently, and I go through phases with this, I've begun wearing shirts with collars. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe it's because the weather is, it's cold now, and but I don't know why. I just go through these periods where I'm like, I'm so, I feel so tired of being, um... What's the word? It like a turd that no one's tried to polish. <laughs> it's like just, no one, it's just a no turd. one is even bothered. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm like, oh, I gotta try to polish this thing a little bit. So I start wearing shirts with collars. Yeah, that's my version of dressing up. Is I wear a shirt with buttons. Uh, yeah. But your top button. Okay, so here's the thing. Uh, I always button the top button. I love the top button being buttoned. I am often top button buttoned. Very often. It just depends on the shirt, because some of the shirts won't have it. When I when I was a kid, like, the kid that the buttoned the top button was a nerd. You know, like, nerds. Nerds wore their backpacks over both shoulders, and nerds buttoned their top buttons. And when I became... I was in seventh grade. 
So the junior high was 7th, 8th, and ninth grade, and the high school was 10th, 11th, and 12th grade in Colorado in those days. And I was, so I was freshly, I was just 12, freshly 13. Uh, and there was a guy named Johnny Stefano, and he was skateboarder and a punk rocker and he had the first homemade suicidal tendency shirt i'd ever seen and i thought that was pretty cool so then of course i made suicidal tendency shirts and got the record and what he would oftentimes when he wore a button shirt he would top button the top button and i was like interesting note taken right i mean it's these little things like wait cool kid skateboarder button to the top button and he would wear he would wear his, a backpack over both shoulders. It's subtle. I mean, it's just subtle. Like you're a cool kid, you wear it over one shoulder. You're a nerd, you wear it over two shoulders. And the cool kid was buttoning the top button and wearing it. And it wasn't a thing that he was doing consciously, but it was something that made an impression on me. So from 12 years old on, I've always buttoned my top button. And it's it was influenced by <laughs> this fucking kid who I maybe told him. He was in a, he, he later became a, he was a really good, uh, the fuck, he was a guitarist and he was in bands with his brother. He was in a band called the Hate Fuck Trio and there was, <laughs> and there was another band called, it was something like Larry's Lawn Service or something. And they started, uh, fights with themselves where they would play <laughs> Hate Fuck Trio songs at a Hate Fuck Trio show. And they were like. Yeah, or Ed's Lawn Service. They're like, Ed's Lawn Service is fucking ripping off our songs. And they would be like, fuck Ed's Lawn Service. And then they would play another show as Ed's Lawn Service, but then play Hate Fuck Trio songs. So there were two bands with one set. And everybody's like, fuck the Hate Fuck Trio. They're the worst. Now fuck Ed's Lawn Service. So, I mean, he sounds like a genius. He's, he's, always been, he's always been that dude since before he was that dude. But whatever. His these little notation, these little style notes that he did unconsciously were things that I picked up on that still that still apply. Well, I'm hearing you say this, and I was a top button guy, probably 14 or 15. Like where I grew up was so like classic rock, so conventional, and I listened to other music, and I feel like there were sort of the vestiges of British new wave visible and i you would see those guys with like the top button buttoned mm -hmm. uh and like the big whatever hair and i kind of picked that up so i had this affectation <clears throat> that i really loved it was i would say it was like uh, my first what i thought of as my first fashion triumph i had this white collarless i don't know it wasn't collarless but it had like a like a really narrow band collar and i it was white and I would button the top button on that. And I had a black wool suit jacket that my grandfather gave me. My suit, my suit wearing grandfather gave me. And it fit me just about right. So I would wear jeans and this like top button button thing and the black suit jacket. And I was like, fuck, man, I am, I am, I'm rocking. <laughs> Let's go to Applebee's. Isn't it funny though, when you, when you've, you know, we're talking. We're talking about fashion, in which neither of us have really. I mean, I guess we have our own version of it, which is kind of a non-version. But then, like, where do those style points come in? What are these little? What are the subtleties? You know, some people are like, "Oh, I only wear Italian tailored suits," or some people say, "Like, 
you know, like wool fedoras or whatever the fuck. And we're like, yeah, we button the top button on our shirts. Like that's as far as either of us have ever uh, gotten. Well, I would say generally my fashion philosophy is to keep it real fucking basic. Right. That, that I feel, and I, part of me is like, oh, that's a way to stay out of trouble, but actually it's just what I like best. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. And, but if I think about like who in our circle, whose style do I admire, but don't think I can quite pull off? It's Bob Bob Scales. knew it. Yep. For sure. <laughs> That guy's a, he's a sharp dressed man. Yeah. Yeah. He is. He's a guy who, well, the other great trick that Bob Scales pulls off is he's like six foot five, uh, and manages to not look tall. Mm -hmm. Uh, he just, because all of his clothing, I mean, he makes shirts, uh, go to product That's a non-paid sponsorship just cause I love him. Um, he makes, he tailors his own shirts. Right. And I have a few of them. But I often look like a guy who's trying to be clever when I wear his shirts. <laughs> he sent me one and I've put it on in the event, you know, like I'm preparing to go out and do something and I put it on and I look at myself in my mirror and I'm like, I can't, this, I can't do this. It's not, this isn't me. And I don't know. I don't know. Like cowboy shirts. I can pull off cowboy shirts. I love vintage cowboy shirts. Oh boy, do I love vintage cowboy shirts. And yeah. I have a few of those. I feel like I can pull those off pretty well. Uh, I do have like a long sleeve button up with like a blue and white checked pattern, like a tight checker, like a, like a tablecloth. Gingham. And I wore that recently. I went out to dinner with Daniel Wakefield Paisley and he said for sure because of that shirt, everyone was going to think we were a, a gay couple. And I was like, I'm, well, I don't know about that. But then the more I looked at it, the more I thought probably they did. I don't know. It was I mean, just based on that shirt though. Yeah. That's, I don't think that that's a problem looking like a gay couple. Most of the, I mean, the gay couples I know, I guess they sort of slewed two ways. Some of them are fabulous and look great all the time. And then, I feel really bad for the other ones that don't, because I'm like, ah. The, the bar is set <laughs> pretty fucking high. Yeah, you turned out to be gay but not fabulous. That's a <laughs> that's a tough spot. <laughs> uh, uh, like I said, I'm really into flannels these days too. I don't know. Uh, when do you think you look your absolute best? I feel like that's just kind of a. Uh, it's like a perfect storm, but you're also maybe feeling like pretty hot on yourself anyway that day, you know, and then you, anything you wear, you carry it. You, you are wearing, you're, you're wearing your clothes versus the clothes wearing you. Like I just discussed. And it's a, it's a confidence. It's a way that you walk into a room. I have this one, uh, super cool old vintage cowboy shirt. I don't know where it came from. Last, I guess it was fuck. I don't know when it was August maybe July, I walked into the bar. There were two patrons, bartender who was in a ragingly bad mood and put up a sign that said we're closing early. And I don't know what the fuck that was about. And then there was a, there are Island tables in this bar and there were probably seven, uh, really attractive women all dressed up like brides. And I was like, what? 
fresh heaven have I just fallen <laughs> into? And they all had bingo cards. And I said, what are you, what are you guys doing? And the, the bride whose name I, I won't repeat, but she was, she's shockingly beautiful. Um, they were like, oh, we're doing like a bride, like a bridal shower bingo thing. And I said, what are some of the challenges? And they're like, I'll, I will check, help every one of you check all of your boxes. I don't give a fuck what it is. And they were like, well, will you give us your shirt? And I said, no, I can't do that <laughs> because I have to work tonight. Um, and I also yeah. really like this shirt. What's another one? And the bride said, I have to baby bird a drink into your mouth. And I was like, before she was even done saying the sentence, I was on my knees in front of her. <laughs> <laughs> and she she said no you mean you, you know like i spit a drink into your mouth and i was like yep let's go <laughs> and and uh, so her aunt took a picture of her spitting a drink into my mouth i've seen her a few times since and we always have this like hey mm. good to see you again and uh, <laughs> she introduced me to her husband now and she said he won't even let me spit a drink into his into his mouth and and he like i don't think he is really keen on our relationship because we have a bond now <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then uh uh a bunch of those ladies came in the other night and they said or like two weeks ago and they were like oh we we're just looking at pictures and they showed me a bunch of pictures of the bride spitting her drinking in my mouth and then her her aunt who was fine as fuck too she dipped her uh garter into a shot of whiskey and rang that out in my mouth i'm just like just Keep it coming. Like if I don't. I have mean, to... this sound. This sounds like um, best. Steve's best day ever. It was my best. It was like, yeah, I did. I told him. I said this was like a, a like a highlight of my life. But because I was wearing that cowboy shirt, I think I walked in there like I fucking owned the place. You know, mm -hmm. like I was feeling feeling pretty good about myself, and the <laughs> universe responded appropriately. Hmm. Anyway, uh, they do say dress for the dress for the job you want. That's <laughs> <laughs> ex exactly right. I so I don't know if it's 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 not necessarily like what you what I wear when when I look my best. I feel like it's how I feel. <laughs> oh, it's how I feel when I look my best. They they go hand in hand. Uh, you said that it's sort of a perfect storm, and I I relate to that because. There's, I have a mirror in my closet and I get dressed and I look at it and I'm like, hmm, missed again. Uh, <laughs> and then sometimes I'll switch my shirt. I'll just be like, oh, maybe it's this shirt. And I switch the shirt and I'll be like, nope, wasn't the shirt. But I guess I got to go have my day. Yeah, it's, it's weird too because sometimes I'll put something on and it just won't. I, it's the same fucking thing, you know, like, oh, this black t shirt or that black t shirt. I don't know. This black yeah. t shirt, I feel like this one makes me. Look, it, it's, it's, uh, it's a weird, I also have like body dysmorphia. Maybe my, maybe my body does look like a perfect rectangle. I'm like a hairy rectangle. Right. But maybe that's just my per perception of how I look. And sometimes I'll put something on and I don't think I look like a hairy rectang rectangle. And that's when I fucking leave the house high stepping. Yeah. Yeah. I, that may be true. Maybe I'm not seeing things accurately. A big deal. Uh, tell me how you feel about this. A very big deal is the interaction between the bottom of your pants and the top of your shoes, um, mediated by your socks, that area of my body, uh, of my, of my 
ensemble on any given day I look and I'm like, oh, that looks, that doesn't look right at all. And then I have to change shoes or I have to change pants or something. Mm. Sometimes I just give up and put shorts on, even if it's cold. I'm like, fuck it. That whole ankle thing just isn't going to happen today. <laughs> uh, I, I really, I'm really into pegged. If I could get all of my, my Ben Davis jeans properly pegged, not a huge peg, not so that it's hard to get over your foot when you take them yeah. off. A tapered thing. You want a ta- tapers. A tapered thing. I would like for, I would like, I would like a dozen pairs of properly tapered Ben Davis pants, but I also, where that I size up so that they sit low on my hips. So they have to be, it's like the configuration between where my, where my belt sits, which is low and my cuffs sit, which is going to vary based on where that sits on my, if I put my hands in my pockets, my, my pants come down a little bit and then I am constantly fighting and pulling my pants up. I also don't wear uh, like regular cotton boxers anymore. Like, floofy boxers because one when i'm skateboarding i oftentimes will blow the crotch out and then and then i feel like my junk is dangling when it is it's just dangling inside of my pants but i have oh yeah we talked about this where we wear the same brand underpants we do wear the same underpants yeah um it's uh, embarrassing it's embarrassing probably <laughs> if we swapped wardrobes we would probably both walk in and go is this my I guess this is my stuff. Oh, sure, okay. Uh but the so the new kind of the the uh, what is it? A pair of thieves? Is that what it's called? Yeah, a pair of thieves, that's right. Uh that those underwear stay put. So I like my my pants come down a little bit and I pull them back up. I'm not like bunching because with the cotton ones I would get these pillows of fucking gigantic underpants all around my waistband. <laughs> above the waistband of my pants and my pair of thieves stays put anyway so that that dictates like what's happening with my ankle yeah um but i like a high cuff like a strong uh assertive cuffed pant leg ankle you're yeah you're not you're not one of those like slubby over the shoe pants per people like a little like a flash of sock is good Mm mm-hmm yeah, my run, my run a little bit high too. Like I'm a usually like I'll do two, I'll do two cuffs, two yeah. solid two and a half inch cuffs. Uh, sometimes I'll do three, so you get a little pe- little peak of skin, you know, which is sexy. Wow, I know. Yeah, uh, I like a brown belt. I wore a studded belt forever, which is cliche as fuck. Uh, I went to see Oxbow play, and Oxbow is just. Oxbow's gnarly. If you don't know about Oxbow, check out Oxbow uh, and go see them. I mean, they're they're good to listen to, but they are a fucking force to be reckoned with live. Um, the guitarist, the first time I saw them, the guitarist was wearing a brown belt. And I was like, yep, I'm a brown belt guy now. Oh, I'm I a mean, no belt guy. Isn't it funny, the influence, though? Johnny, John DeStef- Johnny DeStefano, he propelled me to wear compelled me to wear my top button buttoned and the guitarist just randomly he was like oh i can't find my black belt so he put on his brown belt and then now like forever just changed since, your life <laughs> forever since i'm a i'm a brown belt guy is he a, is steve, your friend steve a bow tie guy no he's not the bow tie guy he's the brown he's belt the brown, guy he's the brown belt i didn't guy. even know that was a guy i was gonna say jason from gaytheist is a real sharp dresser a real sharp dresser and he he too is a bow tie guy and like a cardigan sweater and 
He's a and, natty, uh, natty dresser. Like the first time like you Mr. see Jason. Uh oh. The first, the first time I saw Jason from Gatheist, I was like, "I'm not gonna like this band." And then they played, and I was like, "I'm gonna love this band." Yeah, uh, I had a similar experience with um, Drunk Horse. Before Drunk Horse was Drunk Horse, they were called the Pants. And I was, my friend told me, you got to go see this band. They're going to blow your mind. So we're sitting in this bar on Mission Street or Valencia Street in San Francisco. And uh, we're just sitting there drinking. And these four dudes walked in and I just kind of glanced around the room and I, and they caught my eye. Um, And they looked like such fucking dorks. Like they looked like the kids in elementary school that you would tease because they wore like burgundy tough skins and their shirts were too small and they had bowl haircuts and stuff and it wasn't ironic dorks these guys were like dyed in the wool true blue nerds and i just because i kind of looked across the room and i saw them and thought who the fuck are these clans didn't say anything to that effect just kept it it was in my mind and i uh, like it all convention, all social norms, it, everything went out the window because the four of these dudes got on stage and just absolutely tore the ass out of the place. So from that point forward, you know, fuck it. Do the clothes make the man? Maybe not. Maybe not. Well, uh, we, we have flogged that toggle as far as we can, I think. We should get to the would you rather. I think that's good. Also, I can't uh I can't see you again. So, I hope I hope when the camera comes back online, you're not wearing anything. <laughs> uh, would you rather question 3, would you rather eat a ball of wasabi first thing in the morning or get stung in the face by a wasp right before bed? Uh, wasabi 10 out of 10 times. Well, you had a real bad bee sting issue. Uh uh, no, I mean I've been stung by I've been stung by wasps and yellow jackets and the like uh more times than I care to remember. Once I got one right in the throat, like flew in my mouth and stung me back in my throat. Right, that's bad. Uh when I get a wasp sting though, it swells up a little bit. Uh but it it itches and I I guess I surmise that it really depends on what the wasp's diet has consisted of. <laughs> Because they kind of they're garbage eaters, and if it's a garbage eater, you get stung by a wasp who like hangs out in trash cans. Uh, well, my reaction will be different, and it'll swell and it'll itch real bad, and it'll hurt real bad, um, for a long time. So I mm. just I want nothing to do with that. I'll take the wasabi for sure. We went out. Uh, this is not that long ago. Maybe a year ago. Maybe more. Maybe a little more. We went to some Japanese place and we sit down. I forget what we ordered. I forget what we ordered, but it came with a ball of wasabi. And my wife just it hit the table and my wife just leaned forward and picked it up and popped it in her mouth. <laughs> You're just, and like, I, just staring at her with your mouth open. I was like, what the... F-? So she... As it transpires, she thought it was a piece of avocado. Right. I don't know why she thought it was a piece of avocado. She doesn't know why she thought it was a piece of avocado. 
but it was fucking hilarious. <laughs> you know, you've seen Jackass and all these other people who are like, yo, eat a ball of wasabi. It's like a whole dare. But right. to see someone do it when they didn't expect it at all is hilarious. That's good stuff. Well, and also, why would why would the server bring you a little plate with one piece of avocado when there are multiple people eating dinner? And and what gives you the right to eat the one piece of avocado? Like that? Yeah. It 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 asks more questions than it than it answers. But uh, lesson learned for her, the whole, I guess. Yeah, the whole scenario was very bizarre, which made it all the better. <laughs> and she's not that person. She's not like the sort of like spacey. Like she is a dialed in person. Uh huh. So this brain fart that she had right in front of us that then led to, like, crying. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah. Hey, uh, two weeks ago, I, I said, oh, I had a realization after Greg and I went on our ride. And I said, you got to remind me to, to talk about this. And then I think we've talked once since, and you did not remind me to talk about it. And then I couldn't remember what I wanted you to remind me to talk about. But <laughs> thankfully I looked back through our text thread and I found the thing. So there's a song by the electric light orchestra, uh, that I, since I was a little kid, like little, little kid, like probably six or seven imagined being a perfect soundtrack for a ski movie, like a ski, like ski footage. Like it's slow motion and it's kind of ethereal and it's kind of dreamy. And then it gets into this like, oh, and this is the fucking mogul scene. And it even like, I even thought this before uh, I ever learned how to ski. But it was, they were playing it at the cross race that we rode to. And I was, I was going through the actions. Like I was pretending to do like slow motion back scratchers <laughs> for Greg. And then, you know, like, uh, uh, like okay, imagine me now. I'm just fucking I'm flowing, flowing through you know chest deep powder, and then here's the mogul part. And then I was like moguling it in. <laughs> I wish it, this was a video podcast right now. <laughs> Everyone missed just missed people doing pretend moguls. Uh, but I I did I never knew what the name of the song was, and then I just I I fucking Pandora'd it or whatever ask siri it and the song's called fire on high and then i was like oh is matt pike a fucking elo fan oh yeah matt, matt pike from high on fire is that a thing or did they i mean is that i've never read any interview i've never read any information that said oh well where'd you get your name oh it's uh we just Let's turn some words around from an ELO song. <laughs> I was, it blew my fucking mind. I don't know if anybody else, I mean, I'm sure nobody else is going to give a shit about this, but I was, I was <laughs> floored. Um, I love it. The other thing I love is that you would ask me to remind you of something. <laughs> <laughs> Have you heard the song? Do you know the song I'm talking no, about? No, I don't know the song. Okay. Google it, imagine but skiing, I... and then imagine me explaining to Greg what my film was going to be like when I was seven years old, and then understand that I was Warren Miller before Warren Miller was Warren Miller. I, I'm i going to do that. I also think that Matt Pike, Matt Pike's a little older than us, right? <clears throat> uh, 
hard to say. That guy, he could be he could be like a really grizzled looking thirty year old. It's so sad, you know. James Hetfield is like riff lord, right? James Hetfield from Metallica, riff lord, worth net worth eighty million dollars. And then there's Matt Pike, who is also fucking riff lord, and he just put a thing on Instagram that said his pickup was stolen. (laughs) I'm like, I'm like, oh man, man. It's just like the the vast difference between these two dudes, both of whom have made so much or have been responsible for so much fucking killer metal. One dude's worth $80 million and one dude is like making a plea on the internet to help him find his pickup that some tweaker stole. Yeah, the other one doesn't get the doesn't get the guac on his burrito cuz it's fucking extra. It's just no justice. Uh but I bet he's old enough that he would have like that ELO would have been right in his musical influence box. I think even so. though he does not make music that sounds like ELO. I don't know. I know I don't know him. I don't I know I know people who know him. Like like Jason from Gatheist. I know those guys know each other. And I might feel compelled I might hold that question hold on to that question, but if well I mean my one fucking question band interviews yeah. Dude, that, I don't think it would get much better than that. Yeah. Ask, well, I will remind you to ask him when they when they play. Well, now that I brought it up, it's part of my like constant sure internal is. dialogue. Um, yeah. All right, we got a uh, we're in hour nine, folks. Here's your outro, friends. It's time to get back to carving Slayer in your forearms or whatever, whatever you were up to before we started jabbering about high times and low fashion. Uh, if you'd be so kind, drop a dime in the tip jar at the Cycling Independent and get in, get on about your day on behalf of the Cycling Independent and the Revolting Podcast. I'm Steve. And I'm Robot. Don't forget to suck it. Back.